Welcome to Legal News and Review, recipient of the Florida Bar Award of Excellence. Legal News and Review, the only real problem solver radio program using the law. With your moderator, Philip Bell, and hosts and legal panel attorney, Gary Singer, chair of the Broward County Bar Association's Real Property Section. Gary Singer is board certified in real estate law and a syndicated columnist from the Sun Sentinel. He is an expert in his field of practice. Now, here's your moderator, Philip Bell. On the docket for today's program, the complexities and transactional demands of the real estate development process, it can be overwhelming even for professionals. Today, from the law firm of Hackleman, Olive, and Judd, his partner, Steve Stephen Hoffman. You may not have heard of him, but certainly you know the projects. Well, you have. <laughs> um, that he was involved in from the Sawgrass Mills, Broward Mall, Dayland Mall, Galleria Mall, and even Trump International Hotel and Tower in Fort Lauderdale. And that's just naming a few. If I had more time, I'd like to let everybody know. But I'd first like to welcome our legal panel host today, Gary Singer. Hey, Phil. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Gary. You know, next year you'll be starting your sixth year with us. Is it really? Yeah. That's incredible. That, that, that's, they said that it wouldn't amazing. last. <laughs> what is that? It's like our wood anniversary or something. Well, uh, I also want to say good afternoon to our listeners on 96.9 FM, 103.9 FM, and 740 AM, along with iHeart, TuneIn, and iRadio Now National App listeners. And Facebook. Welcome. Yeah, I won't get to that in a moment. I'm waving. <laughs> and on that note, I want to remind our audience they can actually watch the production live on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Just Google Facebook, Legal News and Review, and it comes right up. But more importantly, I'm you can see it. <laughs> yeah, put the fingers up behind <laughs> me. Uh, more importantly, you can watch past programs. So if there's something that you've missed here and need more information, rest assured you can get it as well. We're working on that project to have future programs yeah. available too, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, We're having uh, a podcasting <laughs> and, and so forth. You got it. I know what you meant. Um, and if you're watching right now, you're going to see we're recording live at the Kelly Ustall Building in their mock courtroom. And, you know, Kelly Ustall Law Firm is committed to helping you seek justice. Just go to justiceforall.com. It's very simple, justiceforall.com. Attorneys all over the country refer cases to Kelly Ustall because of the resources and their successes. And that's when your fight becomes their fight. Listen, if you've been severely injured because of the negligence of someone else or even from a, a, a project, product, you may be eligible for compensation. Just go to justiceforall.com. Stephen Hoffman, welcome to Legal News and Review. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate you coming back. And, and Stephen, what is commercial financing in general? I mean, what types of notes are used in commercial financing? Well, uh, there's a wide variety of uh, notes in commercial financing. It ranges anywhere from two or three pages to 20 pages. So it just depends on uh, the nature of the How many pages for uh, uh, the Sawgrass Mall? Um, that was quite a, uh, quite a note. Uh, it was a $185 million uh, uh, loan uh, back then. It was the largest uh, commercial loan at the time. How many and square feet under here, approximately? Uh, Right now, geez, it's over two and a half million. Wow, that's a lot. That yeah. is. That's uh, my wife knows every uh, square foot. Of that. <laughs> 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 that's funny. <laughs> the, the different types of notes that are used in commercial fi financing, um, promissory notes, right? 
Now, that's not done with uh, some of our listeners that only have uh, residential real estate. I mean, they, they don't know about that. Sure they do. Well, that, you know. Really? Yeah. Yeah, promissory They're notes. smaller. Right. Uh, uh, not only that, they're, they're uniform. Um, so in a residential transaction, uh, pretty much anybody in the, the country is signing the same type of note. Uh, whereas in a commercial hmm. transaction, they, they can vary, you know, quite uh, quite broadly. Yeah. Why, why is it so much more complicated on a commercial sense? Well, there's uh, uh, different types of deal points, different types of payback structures, uh, different types of collateral and so forth. Where a residential, it's pretty much all cut and dry, same, uh, same type of payments, um, but, uh, you know, Sometimes it varies. Uh, the uh, payments can be amortized uh, over whether it's 10, 15, 20 years. Right. And um, uh, in a uh, residential, it's, it's fairly standard. What are some of the other differences between residential and commercial? Well, it depends on uh, what type of property. You know, as far as commercial, you can have uh, industrial, you can have office, you can have retail. So they all uh, have their uh, different uh, mm -hmm. Issues that uh, that pop up, whether you're buying a property that's leased, uh, whether you're buying a property that you're going to use it for your own personal uh, use or business use. Uh, there's just a, a, a lot of um, variables. Gotcha. I'm sure for uh, environmental issues for such a large project, those, those uh, must have been overwhelming. And for these larger projects. Sure. I, I, one of the uh, uh, first things you recommend is to get what's called a phase one environmental study uh, whenever um, somebody is buying a commercial property uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, one is to insulate uh, your liability. Right. Because if you don't do your due diligence. Well, what is that? What is a phase one? So phase one is uh, basically uh, the environmental company will do a title check and they'll uh, see what the property has been used for and uh, the... Um, uh, the history of the property, um, and determine if there's any potentials for uh, environmental issues. So, for instance, if uh, the property was used um, uh, for farming, for instance. Mm -hmm. right. um, uh, we just had a, a situation where um, the, uh, uh, the farmer was using some fertilizer, and uh, that particular fertilizer uh, was uh, leaving some deposits in the um, in the soil. Wow, it's like having a uh, dry cleaner. So why would a buyer need to be concerned with that if he's not going to be or she's not going to be farming? So uh, from a uh, uh, legal standpoint, uh, the environmental laws uh, are strict liability. So if you own property oh, okay. and um, you um, uh, don't do your due diligence and then later on it's discovered that there's an environmental problem, you own that property, you've got to clean it up. So the EPA doesn't care that you bought it that way? Nope. Nope. Unless you do your due diligence, um, uh, you're, uh, you're stuck with so it. So is there protections if you do your due diligence for the buyers? Yeah. Um, basically, if you go back and you, uh, you have your phase one and it shows clear, uh, then that would uh, provide you some uh, uh, a little bit of a safety. Sort of like the innocent spouse rule, in effect, really. Yes. So what are, what are the things to? I mean, that's a big one, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you, any kind of real beyond investment, you know, apartment, commercial, real estate, you're going to want to get a phase one almost every time. What Absolutely. other things would, you know, people uh, who are you know buying some smaller commercial investments, a warehouse, you know, storage. What other things besides a phase one would they do that they might not normally think of? Besides, obviously, I'm going to point this out real quick: is they got to hire an attorney like you. <laughs> Too many, oh, and, I'm, and it's funny, but. 
too many people are used to only, you know, if they're first time buying, let's say, a commercial bay for their construction right. business. They're used to going, oh, I'll go to the title company and get a realtor. Yeah, you should still get an attorney and res- residential, but no one does. You can't play commercial like that. You need right. a lawyer for commercial. So besides right. the fact that you need someone like you to guide you, assuming they don't make that move, what other things should they think about? Uh, zoning is a, another big issue. Okay. Uh, you want to make sure that the property you're buying, you can use it for what you intend to use it for. Um, so, for instance, your warehouse, um, mm-hmm. you plan to store stuff there. Um, uh, zoning will tell you whether, you know, what you're planning on storing uh, is permitted or not. Or if you uh, intend to redevelop the property, you want to make sure that uh, the... Um, so they have a say if you uh, have nuclear waste <laughs> that you want to store, then they, they can say... Hands off. You can't do that. I think it's so much more than that with zoning, right? Most most governments frown on that. Yeah, you would think. Do lenders require environmental indemnity agreements? Yes. And and what's the the advantage or or why? So a lender doesn't want to get sucked in uh, to the environmental problem. So so a lender is going to hold the borrower uh, responsible uh, if there are any environmental issues. And because of a lender, if they uh, have to foreclose on the property... Uh, they become the owner, and uh, you know, like I said, it's strict liability. The owner of the property gets tagged with the uh, the environment. Is it property. common they require me to have a personal guarantee uh, in a, uh, a financing situation on a commercial property? Yeah. So, like, if you have your your you know Gary's Tacos, and right. I'm gonna buy my loca- I'm gonna buy my location, but Gary's Tacos, it's not Gary, it's Gary's Tacos. So, why does Gary's Tacos need? Why does the bank need me to personally guarantee this loan? Um, basically, the bank is looking for every piece of collateral they can get, especially <laughs> Gary. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you're stuck with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I try to negotiate out all personal guarantees, but uh, you know, often it's uh, the banks will insist upon it. Gotcha. Yeah. And how, how does the the lending process differ from someone buying, let's say, residential? Well, I think in a uh, commercial setting, a lender is going to take a more active role in looking at the property and looking at the business. So they're going to, you know, uh, look at the leases uh, that uh, are um, supporting the uh, the income of the property and make sure that uh, there's enough uh, income to uh, pay back the uh, the loan. Oh, okay. Huh. What about like uh, office condos? That was a rage for a while. I guess oh, it yeah. still is to some ways. Like, how, how does lending work with that? Like, how would you? How would uh, you know, the commercial real estate attorney tie into that. Yeah, I mean, a commercial uh, condominium, uh, they're not as frequent as they used to be. Uh, so uh, a lot of times lenders don't even really understand, you know, what they're getting into. So it's uh, it's important to have representation to make sure that uh, you're able to explain the project to uh, to your lender. When we had downturn, did it, uh, it obviously affected residential. A lot of people lost their homes, foreclosures, short sales. Uh, what about the uh, commercial market? Was it stable, or were there issues there too? Oh, there was certainly issues there. Um, you know, people that, uh, you know, it was a big ripple effect. Uh, so uh, commercial uh, real estate was um, was impacted just as hard as residential. And so if you had uh, money back then, uh, you're probably rich right now. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are the big trends in commercial real estate going on nowadays? Well, some of the interesting things that are uh, happening is um, there's a project in Fort Lauderdale that uh, are they're selling micro units. Um, so it's micro a, units. Basically, it's a, a very very tiny apartment um, that has just the basic uh, facilities. Hello, Japan. And uh, so like what size? How teeny? 
Um, That's interesting. I didn't hear about this. Anything from 500 to 750 square feet. I mean, oh, this is like uh, IKEA crazy. stuff. Yeah, it's uh, very, very tiny, and uh, so all the amenities are sort of centralized in the building. So it's. Uh, so you don't have your own kitchen and stuff. Uh, just basically enough to do a hot plate or something like that. It's, uh, it's really, uh, that's it's an, is that a national trend or is that just like inner city? Like, uh, um, I think it's more, you know, in uh, dense urban areas. Um, so, uh, you know, this particular project has, you know, Uber drive driveways and right. stuff like that. So, uh, very uh, millennial based or whatever. Much, well, there are people that are it. priced out of the market yeah. as well. Well, not exactly. with that. Not but, if you're going to live in a coffin. But the mixed use, <laughs> the mixed use property. That's what they call them in, uh, really? Yeah. In, in mm -hmm. the, the the mixed-use properties, uh, where I grew up in Chicago, you know, on the first floor they had businesses, and then above they had the apartments, right? right? Mm -hmm. Now, same thing here. They, they have that. Is that a right. thing again? Because that was a thing, and then the bust happened. I don't, did it come back? It is. It's uh, something that the uh, cities are really uh, promoting. Um, and uh, like Flagler Village in Fort Lauderdale is a big, uh, you know, kind of mixed-use type of uh, mm -hmm. area. And uh, it's designed to, you know, live, work, and play. So those are the those are those uh, the building where there's nothing on the ground floor, and then people live above. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there is. There's no. Right. They 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 promote these, and then right. no businesses move in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, none. Like, seriously, they want to turn into, like, New York City. Like, it's going to be Manhattan overnight. Right, right. But, you know, Fort Lauderdale empties at 6 o'clock. Well, I live in the city in, in Boca, and I love the fact there, I can walk no anywhere. There's no city in Boca. Yeah, well, it's spread out. <laughs> Downtown that's Boca. Meisner Park and, and right. Royal Palm. Uh, I was born in the Bronx. <laughs> Boca's not a city. <laughs> really? I couldn't tell. Yeah, man, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's very interesting. That is coming back. Mm -hmm. And how... And... and is it working? I mean, I know the cities are pushing it, but is it working from a development standpoint? I think so. Um, you know, the uh, project that's you know on the corner of Broward and Federal, I think that's a successful project. Yeah, yeah that and, one did well. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's. Uh, I think it, it makes sense, uh, especially as we get more and more urbanized uh, in the South Florida. What about revitalization, especially here in Broward, now that we're basically built out? Are you seeing like a lot of Like the Uptown project. Yeah, getting torn out and then, you know, like Flagler Village Flagler for that matter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, is that more example. of a trend? Yeah. I think that's that's where it's at. Flagler Village looks amazing. Right. I mean, it's. I remember I used to work down here before when it was right. when it actually was Flagler Village. It's a complete transformation. And Wilton Manors, for that matter. You look at the right. transformation there, and from what I understand, it's really even transform transforming even more to higher wealth. Right. Pretty amazing. Yeah, Oakland Park is another uh, good example. What do you see as the the other areas around here that are going to be uh, you know booming with this stuff? I mean, you can't well, tell the future. Yeah, well, I think they got tear down buildings to build uh, new buildings. Yeah, that's my point. That's your revitalization. Yeah, yeah I think anywhere uh, along the the east, uh, anything east of ninety five is prime uh, for redevelopment. So when when they do this, just from the inner workings of dealing with the cities, when you have these like Flagler Village, what happens to the lower income people that were living there? Where do they go? That's a big problem. Affordable housing is a big yeah. issue in South Florida. Absolutely. So where where what are they? Well, the cities are the cities are obviously pushing this because again it's zoning and blah blah blah. Right. So what what are they doing for the people who are being displaced? Well, a lot of uh, projects are have, are uh, required to have a an affordable housing uh, component. Um, that never seems to work, though, does it? It does not. No, that's something that uh, right. I've never seen really. Yeah. Uh, be successful. In the commercial property, you still have to have title insurance, or is it something else? Oh no, title insurance is vital. Uh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, we were just uh, talking about that today. We had a client that didn't want to pay it. And was he foreign? Uh, no. Oh, um, just stupid. Uh, <laughs> cheap. 
Yeah, and uh, it's Pennywise. That's the most expensive thing anybody usually buys in their life. You need that protection. Right. Now, there's no, being in the title industry, there's no good reason. Not possible not to spend that money. Well, that's why I asked it, if it's it like was the a stupidest foreigner. thing you can do. Right. Even, even for, mm-hmm. I don't even have the problem cash from the foreigners. I, I have the, I have the problem from the people who are too smart for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm always left to wonder when if someone can afford a million dollar property, it, how can someone who doesn't want title insurance on a million dollar property be smart enough to afford a million dollar right. property? <laughs> you know, like you know, maybe right. they, uh, they won lotto, but even then they're lucky enough they should be smart. You know, right. It's right. amazing. Like people don't realize that title insurance covers what no one can know about. Right? They think, "Well, the attorney did the search." Well, yeah, they did, but you can't know about things you can't know about. That's what the insurance is for. Right. Would open permits affect that, or, or it's open not permits issue? are not title issues, but they are real estate issues, which is a great thing. You know, the permit issue, obviously, in residential, is is, is you know a nightmare. But how does all that work in the in the in your world, in the commercial world? It's it's the same. You still have to do the same type of uh, you know searches for, on the uh, the government websites, make sure that all the uh, open permits have been closed and uh, no code violations and so forth. So it's. Uh, that's the same analysis. When you have this kind of purchasing power, if you will, and you have, you know, the city wanting your tax base to go, and let's say you're doing a big development, you know, not, you know, a sawgrass mills type or even uh, one of these buildings like Flagler Village, how is it different dealing with, with the municipalities than it would be, you know, for Joe Blow who's putting in a pool? It's tough. I mean, it's It's not worse. Easy, it's, I thought it would be yeah, easier. No, it's worse, it huh? is not an uh, easy process. I mean, we were seeing uh, cities get... Uh, uh, under pressure for overdevelopment, uh, you know, traffic is a, a huge issue. Water is a huge issue. So, I think our as our uh, cities grow older, infrastructure starts crumbling, and we're not reinvesting into that infrastructure. And uh, it is uh, overdevelopment just puts a strain on it. Well, we're the third largest state in the, in the union. We used to be the least. That's before air conditioning, right? Air <laughs> conditioning. Right. So, you know, hypothetically, because uh, you know, obviously, you wouldn't want to. Co- uh, uh, comment on the news but hypothetically if there's a situation where a developer you know poured a ton of money into a site and then you know the, a different mayor got elected or whatever um and they decide ah, i don't like you like how's that play out well uh it can play out in a number hypothetically. of ways hypothetically hypothetically <laughs> <laughs> so uh the first thing i would do is um uh you know file a bert harris act uh you know as, as long as it was ripe um uh meaning that all the uh requirements have been hit um and uh and what is that for our listeners basically it's uh it's almost like a private condemnation uh act it's uh where if the city uh implements uh, a regulation or something like rezoning or something like that um and it uh devalues your property uh or at least you think it devalues your property um you would uh you have to give the city notice, and usually when you give the city notice, it sort of brings them to the table, try to negotiate it out, and um, uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, that's where it uh, where it ends. But uh, sometimes you can't uh, come to a, an agreement with the city, and um, you know, the developer has to make a tough decision whether he wants to sue them or whether he wants to walk away and go uh, to a different uh, site. Gotcha. Because I remember that played out, I believe, with a Walmart and Cooper City for a while, and I think it ended up getting or Davy, and I think it ended up getting built. Mm-hmm. But how is you know? So that's I believe they call that inverse condemnation. Yes. How's that different from like what's the inverse part of it? 
Well, uh, so um, when a, a city has condemnation powers, uh, which uh, they can take your property uh, if they need a road or uh, something similar to that, and uh, they have to compensate you for your property. Mm -hmm. uh, but then um, there are other situations where, uh, you know, a government may act, uh, but not overtly take your property, ah. but you're but the government act effectively uh, devalues the property, so it's uh, considered a taking. Now, we talked about foreigners' investment. What, what does a foreigner need to do when selling a property in the United States? I mean... Uh, Find a buyer. That's always <laughs> a good, good going there, but uh -huh. tax identification numbers are required? Yes, uh, so, um, uh, you know, it uh, requires a, um, a little bit of advanced planning. So what kind of plan? Yes, that, it's obviously here in South Florida that's a big issue. There's a lot of foreigners that, uh, and by foreigners, I think we're talking about non-resident right. uh, mm -hmm. aliens, people that don't aren't resident here. Canadians, South um, Americans, but that yeah. don't that don't aren't residents here. Right. There's, there's obviously foreigners that yeah. are resident here, and that's different. But what are they? I mean, that that's it's a big deal when a foreigner sells property because you know they're going to owe taxes and stuff. How's all? I think that's something obviously we're talking about FERPTA. Right. How's FERPTA play out in real life? So in, with FERPTA, uh, when a, uh, uh, a foreigner sells property, 15% um, uh, of the purchase price has to be withheld and, and sent to the IRS unless you do uh, some planning. 15% of the purchase price, the even purchase if there's price. a mortgage loan. Even if there's a mortgage on it. It's not the equity in the, in the property, and it's not the gain. It's the purchase price. So if it's a million dollars, they're obligated to pay 150000 Yes. Uh-huh. Well, that would withhold one hundred and fifty thousand. Right. Remember, that's not what they're going to pay in taxes. Correct. They pay, and that's where the the advanced planning comes in. So you want to see a professional, like an accountant, uh, that's familiar in these types of issues, to uh, apply for a withholding certificate, uh, and that will determine what your actual tax liability is. And uh, invariably, the the amount on the withholding certificate will be less than uh, the fifteen percent withholding. Is um, water management still an issue uh, around Florida? Um, you see all those yeah. people walking up to those giant <laughs> water bottles. <Right. laughs> so after it rains real hard, right. you're driving down the street, then uh, you, you tell me. Uh, so water water uh, management is drainage, um, and it is a very important. Uh, so when thing. you have a development like, like the Sawgrass Mills, I mean, right. it's a big development. You have to set aside property for the runoff? You do. Uh, so all the lakes that you see um, uh, around Sawgrass Mills, those right. are all drainage lakes. How is, um, you know, uh, by way of reminder, this is a completely non-political show. Yeah. How is, you know, all of this uh, uh, stuff we're you know, it's funny you say rising that. water? Wait a second, you say that? It's like saying to somebody, well, no offense. No, no, we've had <laughs> political shows. We, we once in a while do have special edition political yeah. shows, but on regular legal shows, we don't get into politics. So it's a non. So I don't want to talk about the politics of rising water, but or, or realistically, you know what they call climate change or whatever. But is that a factor in a, in a low lying area like Fort Lauderdale? I know there's been a lot of symposiums and workshops at Fort Lauderdale sinking. Is that is that something that's actually you're seeing enter into the arena of what you do, like considerations about that? Sure. I mean, um, uh, so in where our office is located. Uh, Next to Chima's. We, yeah. Wow. <laughs> what a great place. Well, it is awesome. Uh, so we uh, are affected by, you know, the king tides. And um, so there are certain streets in our area that um, flood uh, on a periodic basis. And so if you're a 
property owner and you're selling your property, right. are you obligated to disclose that to a buyer? Um, so King Tides, big, are you? That's a big issue. Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's yeah commercial, I would imagine not. Residential, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough, a tough issue. Um, and uh, so after you buy the property, right. uh, and uh, you know October rolls around, and uh, all of a sudden you see your trash can floating down the street. Uh, <laughs> well, are uh, lenders looking at this? I mean, they're getting loans for twenty years or right. thirty years, you know, and. Well, they you have know, to have flood insurance. By right? what we heard in the 90s, we should have been underwater already, right? right. So, I mean, is this uh, a concern that lenders raise? I have not seen that yet. Okay, that's good. Uh, so, I've seen people with the money always know what's right. really going on. Well, yeah. Chip Lamarco, a councilman, you know, yeah, yeah, is. he's running for something again, isn't yeah. he? Something uh, bigger, probably. Yeah, no, he's, he's a great guy, representative or something. But federal he, rep. He's he represents all the beachfront from friend of the show. Deerfield Beach. Yes, he is. He's been on yep. uh, several times. And that's a big concern of his. But he, they're very proactive, but they're spending millions of dollars putting the sand down there. And the sand, of course, eventually gets a, you know, it's not, it's not a fix. Right. It's well, not a fix. Sand. Huh? Sand. It's sand. Yeah. But we're known for our beaches. We have to have sand. Right. You know? Okay. Um, go ahead, Gary. You can have sand. <laughs> hey, so we are uh, getting to the point where uh, we're running out of time. Uh, how would someone get a hold of you if they have questions about commercial real estate? Um, call me at 954-334-2250. One more time? 954-334-2250. And do you have any interweb addresses? I do. Uh, www.hojlaw.com. And we have, I think, about 30 seconds to kill. So why don't you use that by telling us what else your law firm does? So our law firm is pretty much a full-service law firm. Uh, we have a big uh, litigation arm. I, I refer to those guys as the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then uh, we've got a uh, um, uh, trust and wills and estate planning uh, side as well. How many attorneys over there? I uh, believe right now we're at 14. Wow, well, that's pretty good. That's yeah. a lot. And yeah. if someone hires you, do they get a discount at Chima's? <laughs> I don't even off if they have your business. Card I don't or even get a discount at Chima's. Oh no! But well, he doesn't terrible. have to validate. His right. Well, that's true. You so can just walk over. Right. It's worth it, I think, to hire your firm just to be able to go and get lunch after. <laughs> sure, exactly. Right. Yeah. I love that place. Right. Hey, it was really good having you on. I've I've known uh, uh, Steve for a very long time, more than ten years, right? And exactly. Yeah, we're we on both the, served our attorney real estate council yeah. together, and he's a a great a great part of that. It's a great organization. He's got a great reputation. So I want to thank you very much for yep. being on. It's always a pleasure. And thank you, Phil. And we're done. So I do want to thank our most important people, our listeners. Be safe and be, be legal. You've been listening to the award-winning legal news and review, recognized by the Florida Bar's Award of Excellence. To contact the legal panel hosts and guests, go to BeLegalBuzz.com. And to reach Gary Singer, board-certified real estate and syndicated columnist, appearing in 400 media outlets, including the front page of the Money section every Monday in the Sun Sentinel, from the law firm of Gary M. Singer, PA, call 954-851-1448. For legal news and review, remember, be legal.